in the back seat of their car. And three times his father asked him, Johnny, what's wrong? Finally, between sobs, uh, Johnny blurted out that the pastor said that he wanted Mikey and me to be brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. <laughs> they say that you can pick your friends, your teachers, your neighbors, but you cannot ever pick your family. But you're going to see in our lesson this morning that that is exactly what Jesus does. He prioritizes people above his own biological family. He makes it clear that you and I only get to be his family if. So there's a condition. Let's turn to Luke chapter 8, and we, I will read for you from verse 16 to verse 21. Jesus himself saying these words, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, two Sundays ago, Pastor Ben preached to you a sermon on the parable of the soils, in which Jesus compared the power of the gospel to the power of a seed. We were told that a seed in the right soil produces an abundant crop. Similarly, the gospel in a ready heart produces changed behavior. Now today's message is about the power of God's truth and the response that God expects of us from it. And so our first point this morning is that God's truth has a transformative purpose. God's truth has a transformative purpose. Jesus says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Now this, this particular text is called the parable of the lamp. And in this parable, Jesus compares the power of God's truth to the power of light. The purpose of light, as we all know, is to reveal the way. If you're in the dark, it is to show you the way. It is to expose whatever is hidden in the darkness. Now, if I awake in the middle of the night, even if the room is familiar to me, 
and I need to use the restroom, I will turn on the light so that I can see where I'm going and so that I don't stumble over furniture or knock furniture over and wake up my wife who is asleep. We need the light to show us the way. Now, in the same way, the purpose of God's truth is to reveal the way to God while exposing or bringing to light even the secret things of our hearts, even the crooked ways that we sometimes get involved in. God's truth is to reveal whatever is hidden, whatever is crooked, whatever is secret. Now, there was no electricity in Jesus' day. A lamp would have been a candlestick or a burning lamp. A lighted lamp would usually be placed on a lampstand so that everybody would be able to see its light. The whole house would be lit. Now, a lighted lamp is like what the Apostle Paul called a child of light. One who once lived in darkness, but who has been invaded by the light of God's truth so that he is transformed from darkness into light. Do I have any testimony of anybody who once lived in darkness? But you have been invaded by God's light and have been transformed from darkness into light. And so in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 8 through 9, this is what the Apostle Paul says of us. He says, For at one time you were darkness. In other words, you lived in darkness. But now you are light in the Lord, and so that comes with a responsibility. And that responsibility, Paul says, is to walk as children of light. And so if your life has been lit by the light of God's truth, it cannot be hidden. Any more than a lighted lamp can be hidden under a jar. If your life has been lit by the light of God's truth, it must be fully on display so that those who are around you can see the light that leads to God. Those who are groping in the darkness and really wanting to find the light, they can look at your life and your life would lead them to the light of Christ. Now, there has never, never been a greater need for the children of light to walk as children of light than there is today. Our world needs the light desperately. Our neighbors, our friends, even family members, many of whom are groping around in the darkness, they need the light now more than ever before. Now, almost 200 years ago, James Russell Lowell authored a poem entitled The Present Crisis. And in this poem, Russell Lowell lamented over the crisis of conscience that America as a nation was grappling with at the time. She was wrestling between slavery and freedom, between truth and falsehood, between good and evil, between wrong and right. But in this poem, Russell Lowell also heralded the moment which comes to all people. And he says this is a moment to decide. And so let me take a few 
seconds to read a few lines from that poem. Once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide in the strife of truth with falsehood for the good or evil side. Some great cause God's new Messiah offering each the bloom or blight parts the goats upon the left hand and the sheep upon the right. And the choice goes on by forever twixt that darkness and light. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. Crisis of conscience. Desperation for the light. And so the purpose of light is to illumine the way, to show the way, to reveal how things really are in the same way God's truth has a purpose. And that purpose is to expose and to reveal things as they really are so that those who are groping around in the darkness may see the way that leads to God and may come to him. Now, I am fascinated by the way that the scripture tells us that God's word, God's truth works. It works with such precision, almost like a skilled physician working on a patient. This is how Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 describes how the truth of God works in our hearts and in our lives. Listen carefully. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. In other words, God's word can cut between soul and spirit. I know of nothing else that can do that. Of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, God's word is so powerful that it can read you. God's word can read you through and through. It will show you who you really are, your thoughts and what's behind them, your motives, and the you that is inside, not the you that we project outward, but you, the real you. So God's truth has convicting power. It exposes us for who we really are so that we may leave the darkness and come to the light. I'm told that back in the days before electricity, an old farmer, how many farmers do we have here this morning? Well, we have a couple. I'm told that an old farmer was berating his hired hand because whenever this hired hand went to visit his girlfriend at night, he would take a lantern. And so this old farmer was berating him, saying, well, whenever I went courting, I never carried one of them things. I always went in the dark. Yes, the hired man said Riley, and look who you ended up with. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. Here's our second point this morning, moving right along. <laughs> Not going to touch that one any further. God's truth 
must not evoke a response from you that is improper. Can I say that again? God's truth must not evoke a response from you that is improper. Jesus says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Now, Mark's gospel renders this verse a little bit differently, and perhaps it better helps us understand what Jesus really meant when he said it. This is how Mark renders it in Mark chapter 4 and verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And so what I find Jesus saying here this morning is that hiding is an improper response to God's truth. It is never appropriate to hide from God's truth. Or when God's truth reveals to you who you really are, it is never appropriate to hide. And so there are so many people in today's culture, and even in today's church, who are hiding in plain sight. Now, we only hide what we don't want others to see. Now, it's interesting, as I was working on this point, a couple of thoughts came to my mind. There is an interesting invention called the wig. How many of you guys are familiar with that? I'm told, as I did the research on this thing, that the wig has become a $5 billion industry. Imagine that, $5 billion industry. Because you see, many of us want to hide our baldness or our kinkiness. If you're an African-American, you understand what that means. Our baldness or our kinkiness. Now, it's interesting that as, as I was on the website, um, the natural.com, as I was on this website, you know, looking at wigs, a pop-up ad came uh, on the screen offering me a 10% discount on a wig. <laughs> you know? I thought that was interesting. I probably should have taken that and then brought that wig to you this morning. <laughs> but yeah, the wig has become a $5 billion industry. I'm also told that the makeup industry has become a $500 billion industry. Because you see, sometimes we kind of want to hide our age, a wrinkle or two, or the real you. Am I stepping on any ladies' toes this morning? <laughs> $500 billion industry is what makeup has become. I'm told that there's some very dodgy car salesmen who have this way of kind of hiding rust by doing a little quick paint job so that you won't recognize it when you go to buy a used car. We, we hide in order to avoid being found out. And so a burglar, a thief, even an adulterer might hide in order to avoid detection. We hide information that will discredit us. We hide behind so many things, even religion sometimes. But God's truth finds us out for exactly who it is that we are. 
And so I'm told that a telemarketer once called a home, of course, trying to ply and sell their products. And a small voice answered on the other line, hello? And the telemarketer responds, hello, what's your name? And he says, my name is Jimmy. How old are you, Jimmy? I'm four. Is your mother at home, Jimmy? She's too busy. Okay, is your father there? He's too busy as well. Well, who else is there, Jimmy? The police. The police? May I speak with one of them? They're busy. Any other grown-ups in the house, Jimmy? The firemen. May I speak with the firemen, please? They're all busy. You mean to tell me, Jimmy, that all of those people are in your house and I can't talk with any of them? What are they doing? They are looking for me, Jimmy says. <laughs> because, you see, we have a way of hiding. Hiding, even in plain sight. Now, we also hide in order to avoid being inconvenienced. Now, there's no doubt that God's truth is sometimes very inconvenient. It is sometimes a hard truth. Because, you see, God's word boldly commands us that we must repent of all, not some, of all sin. God's word, God's word commands us to meet regularly together, to pray always, to sell all we have and give to the poor, to visit the sick, the widow, the fatherless, to practice hospitality. And to us, all of this is very inconvenient because we want to rush on and do the things that we want to do. Things that we consider to be more pressing. And so we, we hide behind many things, even religion. We hide to avoid paying the cost. Now Jesus never shied away from saying that discipleship is costly. Whenever we follow Christ, it will never be a joyride. It will cost us something. For some of, his, some of his disciples, following Jesus would involve leaving behind a net, a boat, a livelihood, a career, family, possessions, even everything that was familiar to them. Sometimes discipleship involves the cost of leaving everything. Now, one of those who left everything to follow Jesus was Matthew. Matthew, we're told, was a tax collector, and he was, in fact, a hated tax collector. One of these days, he heard Jesus say to him, follow me, and he got up from his tax collector's booth, and he left everything behind, and he followed Jesus. Can I ask you quite pointedly, have you ever left anything to follow Jesus? Following Jesus will always be costly. There's always a price to pay, and many of us are not willing to pay that price. And so that's why so many people hide when the truth of God reveals to them who they really are. And so hiding is never the appropriate response when God's truth reveals to us who we really are. Here's our third and final point this morning. God's truth requires a calculating attitude. 
Here's what Jesus says. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. In other words, be careful how you hear. That is the command from Jesus to all of us. Be careful how you hear. Why? Because there are different ways of hearing. And I'm sure that not all of us hear the same way. We're all in the same room. We all have two ears. We all have the ability to hear, but we all hear differently. Jesus says, be careful how you hear. And then he will tell us the appropriate way to hear, which is this. You must not only hear God's truth, but you must do what it says. Now here's where many of us stumble. We hear, and that is where it ends. Jesus says, no, there are two things. You must hear, but then you must go away and do what you have heard. Which means that you must allow your life to be transformed by what it is that you hear. Jesus says that that is how the responsible listener operates. He hears, and then he goes away and does what he has heard. And when he does that, he will not only have knowledge, but he will have even more knowledge. More will be given to him because he has acted upon what he has heard. That is the responsible listener. That is the appropriate way to hear. And then he teaches us the inappropriate way. To hear, which is to not do anything with what you have heard. That kind of a person, Jesus says, is an irresponsible listener. Because you see, this irresponsible listener only thinks that he has knowledge. And Jesus says um, he thinks that he has knowledge, but the, even that knowledge which he thinks he has will be taken away from him because he has not acted upon what he has heard. And so what is going to happen is that he will lose the knowledge that he thought he had and will be left naked and desolate before God. That is the danger of being an irresponsible listener. Now, how does Jesus go about driving home this point? Here's how he does it. He contrasts his biological family with his real family. Now you say, well, I thought your biological family was your real family. Yeah, but in this text, we're going to see that Jesus seems to suggest that his real family is not necessarily his biological family. He doesn't necessarily disown his biological family. He just shows and prioritizes those who are his real family. Because he says this, my mother, well, at least when they come to him telling him that your, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside trying to talk to you or wanting to get to see you, he says this, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and do it. So again, he doesn't disown his biological family, but he prioritizes his real family. And his real family, Jesus says, is anyone who hears what he says and then goes away and does what he says. In fact, the apostle James, who was in fact 
Jesus' biological brother, he eventually came to faith in Christ. And then he later wrote an epistle uh, called the book of James, in which he um, says to us that the person who hears God's word and goes away and does not do what God's word says, that person is deceiving himself. In other words, if you hear God speaking to you through his written or spoken word and you go away and don't act upon it and don't do what God's word says, James says you are deceiving yourself. Why? Because to hear God's word, James says, and not do anything about it is the same as a man who looks at himself in the mirror. How many of you guys have mirrors in your bathrooms or in your, in your bedrooms or wherever? And you kind of look at your makeup, make sure your hair is right, and make sure that your dress is right and you're fully coordinated. How many of you guys do that? James says, if you don't act upon what God's word says, you are like that person who looks at himself in the mirror and he goes away and forgets everything about how he or she looks. And so he's just deceiving himself. But then he says this, that the one who hears God's word and goes away and does what God's word says, that person will be blessed by the Lord in whatever he does. And so I want to say to you this morning that hearing God's truth is good, doing it is better. Which brings us to our bottom line this morning. Jesus regards you as family only if, that's a big if right there, only if you do what he says. I want to share three very quick application points with you this morning. I want to challenge you, first of all, those of you who are here in person and those who are viewing online, I want to challenge you to come out of the darkness. Come out of darkness. If you have never been enlightened by the truth of God's word, God's word says that you are living in darkness. But God desires nothing more than for his light to shine upon you, to expose the darkness that you're living in, and to reveal the way that leads to him. And so I want to say to you this morning that if you are living in the darkness, allow the light of Christ to shine upon you today. Let the truth of God's word expose to you the real condition of your heart and then say to Jesus, I want to be found by you. I want to come out of the darkness and live in the light of your truth. With your heads bowed this morning and your eyes closed, does that apply to anybody present? See, any one of you who is living in darkness of any kind and you hear Jesus asking you to come out of that darkness to the light. If that applies to you, may I see your hand this morning? If there's any person online and that applies to you as well, 
I challenge you this morning. I challenge you to let the light of God's truth discover you and draw you to himself. Let us pray together. Father, your truth reveals the full condition of our hearts. We cast ourselves this morning with abandon upon your truth. Your truth convicts us. Your truth draws us to the light. We ask, God, that you help us to allow your light to shine upon us and to come to the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's our second application point this morning. I want to challenge you to change how you hear. Change how you hear. So let me ask you, God, let me ask you this question. How do you hear? How do you hear God's truth? Does it come through this ear and go through this one? Now I'm, I'm told that, and I don't know how true the statistics really are, but I suspect they are. I'm told that we tend to forget 95% of what we have heard on a Sunday by the time we get to Friday. That's what I heard this week. I heard that this week. That most of us tend to forget 95% of what we've heard on Sunday by the time we get, get to Friday. Now that is an amazing statistic. No wonder then Jesus is saying to us, be careful how you hear. You become responsible for what you hear. And Jesus expects you to not only to hear, but to do something about what you hear. He expects us not to allow worries, cares, frustrations, our pursuit of money, all those things that we tend to allow to crowd out the truth of God's word. Jesus expects us not to allow them to do that. So I want to ask you this morning, what is it that is preventing you from acting upon what you hear? I want to challenge you this morning to be honest about that. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God and change the way you hear. Finally, I want to challenge you this morning. If indeed you are a child of the light, to walk as children of light. That speaks to responsibility. If you are a Christian, if you are children of the light as you profess to be, walk as children of light. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you become a child of the light. You have left darkness and you have been transformed and translated into the kingdom of light. And so that carries with it the responsibility to walk, to live, to act as a child of the light. That's an, that's an interesting title. It's a title of distinction. Children of light mean that, means that you're no longer children of darkness, but that you are distinguished from children of darkness. Your behavior is different. Your life is out in the open so that people know you to be a person of integrity. Your light and your life are fully on display so that other people can look at you and when they see you and when they see that you're walking in the light, they will give glory to God the Father. They will ask you 
about the reason why it is that your light is so fully on your life is so fully on display with the light of God's truth. You will have the opportunity to explain the reason why to them. And when that happens, the Bible tells us they will give glory and honor to God. Are you walking as children of light? Or are you still walking in the darkness? Let us pray together. God, we are so grateful this morning that you are the light of the world. Your light has shone in our hearts, exposing the darkness and delivering us from darkness to light. You have placed upon us the responsibility now to let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. God, we are a forgetful people. All of us are. By the time Monday comes around, we have already forgotten most of what was preached on Sunday, much less when we get to Friday. I pray, God, that you'd help each of us to be careful how we hear, to remember your word, to allow your word to live in our hearts and to allow nothing to abort the fruitfulness of the seed that was deposited in us. We pray your blessings upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen.